This is the Lang Money Hour, where smart money talks on KQV with expert advice from CPA, attorney, and retirement and estate planning expert Jim Lang, best-selling author of Retire Secure and the Roth Revolution, Pay Taxes Once, Then Never Again. Now on air and worldwide, paytaxeslater.com. Now get ready to talk smart money. And welcome to the Lang Money Hour. I'm Dan Weinberg, along with CPA and attorney Jim Lang. Tonight, we're going to talk Social Security, particularly some of the big changes that are coming in 2016. To help us with that task, we're thrilled to have Dr. Lawrence Kotlikoff back on the program. Professor Kotlikoff is a renowned professor of economics at Boston University. He served as a consultant to the World Bank, the IMF, and Fortune 500 companies. He's also provided expert testimony to numerous congressional committees. And just last year, Dr. Kotlikoff was named by The Economist magazine as one of the world's 25 most influential economists. He's also the author or co-author of 17 books, including his latest uh, from 2015, Get What's Yours, The Secrets to Maxing Out Your Social Security, which earlier this year hit number one on the Amazon bestseller list. So over the next hour, we'll be talking about how to navigate your path through Social Security given the upcoming disappearance of two huge social security maximization strategies. To have your investing or social security question answered by our two experts, give us a call here in the studio at 412-333-9385. That's 412-333-9385. Now, let's say hello to Jim Lang and Dr. Lawrence Kotlikoff. Welcome, Larry. Uh, Nice to be with you, Jim. Well, this is a treat to have you on the show. Um, I, I think that the content that you provide is fabulous and you wrote what i what i'm sure is the best and certainly most popular social security book uh it's called get what's yours the secret to maxing out your social security the other book that is my favorite of let's say the 17 that you've written is spend till the end the revolutionary guide to raising your living standard today and when you retire and and by the way i will tell the the listeners um, these are great books. You shouldn't even think about it. If you are in the Social Security decision area, you should buy buy the Social Security book. Again, it's um, Get What's Yours, The Secret to Maxing Out Your Social Security, and Larry's other book, which is a great financial book, um, Spend Till the End, The Revolutionary Guide to Raising Your Living Standard Today and When You Retire. Larry, if you were one of our listeners and you want to buy those books, would you go to Amazon, or would you go to your website, or where would you recommend that our listeners go? Well, well certainly Amazon will have the books, but um, the uh, Get What's Yours should be in the local bookstore. I, I'm i not a big fan of Amazon. I think they've just put people out of business and uh, haven't made any real money for themselves. And uh, the same thing with Walmarts and all these big box stores that, uh, you know, it's, it's helped some people, but it's made a mess of America. Uh, so I like to sub- I like to push people to buy uh, books from big local bookstores. All right. We have the first political statement of the evening that came pretty early. Um, yeah. may- may- maybe after we get some Social Security information, which we did promise people, I can ask you a few political questions regarding maybe some of the candidates and their economic policies. Uh, sure. Yeah, no problem. And, and I do want to get to the Social Security and the meat of the show, but... And I know that, Larry, I'm going to bore you for one minute, but I do want to tell a two-minute story. Um, You were on one of my shows before, and literally on the air, you gave me the great idea, and this was back in the days when you were allowed to give Social Security back. 
And if you gave your Social Security back, you got a tax deduction. And I came up with the idea of the year that you give it back, make a big Roth IRA conversion, you get, you'll have an offset with the tax deduction from the Social Security give back, and you'll be way ahead. And I was very excited about it, and I wrote it up in my book. And before I sent it out for publication, I thought, you know, I really ought to have somebody who really knows what they're doing check to see if I really had this right. And I sent it to you, and you were good enough to review it. And not only did you review it, but you added an entire section, which was just terrific. And at the time, my mother was alive, and she was a journalism professor, and she was my editor, if you will speak. And if you look at the parts that I wrote, there was red all over it, and she just had a million corrections. And then the section that you wrote, Larry, she wrote at the end, not one red mark, and at the end she wrote, very good. So, you're not, <laughs> so you not only have excellent content, but you survived, um, let's say, um, the, the deadly red pen of my mother. <laughs> That's an achievement for sure. I tell her I'm very proud. Well, <laughs> if she was still here, I would. Unfortunately, she passed in 2012. Oh, oh but, sorry. But anyway, um, so on November 2nd, and, and, and by the way, if people are looking for some basic Social Security information, um, we'll, we'll, we'll actually refer you to a audio um, and a transcript that I did, or very frankly, you can go to some of the prior shows that Larry has been on when he's just done a wonderful job. But I thought, while <clears throat> instead of going over the basics of Social Security, I thought that I would try to concentrate on the most current issues. And on September 2nd, President Obama signed some very important legislation um, that impacts married and divorced Social Security participants. What I was hoping that we could do, Larry, is to go through some of those changes and perhaps starting with um, the change to the apply and suspend rules. Could... Sure. sure. Uh, yeah, it was November 2nd, Jim. The budget bill of 2015 was signed into law. And, uh, yeah, it does... Uh, uh, there's some grandfathering provisions, but it's basically eliminating the ability in the future of, uh, in, the, in the case of a married couple, having one spouse do something called file and suspend, file for benefit at their full retirement age and suspend it uh, in order to let their other spouse file just for their spousal benefit and they both wait till 70 to take their, reti their retirement benefit at, at its highest possible value. Your retirement benefit is 76% higher after inflation than if you take it at 62, if you take it at 70. So, so the idea was, you know, take one benefit, let your other benefit grow. And uh, in the case of divorcees, each spouse could collect on the other. In the case of a couple, it was only one spouse who could collect, not both, uh, the way it was set up. Now, there are still people... Millions of people will be able to do this because of the grandfathering provisions, but the uh, you have to have, kind of satisfy a couple conditions. First of all, if we're talking about married couples, one of the spouses has to reach 66 by or by or on April 29th of next year, and they have to file and suspend, or just as, if they've already filed, they have to suspend by that date. And then the other spouse has to be... Uh, uh, reach 62 by January 1st of next year, and then and then that second spouse can collect just a spousal benefit 
and engage in this file and suspend strategy. If you uh, don't fit into those two clauses, you know, if you don't have that uh, combination, then you're going to be out of luck in pursuing that strategy. Now, divorcees uh, are in a somewhat different uh, boat because they don't need to have their spouse, their former spouse, file and suspend for them in order to collect on their former spouse. It's just assumed that the former spouse has filed and suspended. So if you're 62 by January 1st of uh, this, this coming January 1st, then uh, you can collect uh, on your ex if you were married for 10 or more years. You can file just for a divorcee spousal benefit when you reach full retirement age, which is currently 66, and then uh, wait, wait till 70 to take your retirement benefit. Is, is that true even if your ex-spouse doesn't, um, even if your ex-spouse is suspending himself? Uh, independent, well, the, the ex, there is something a little bit ambiguous in the law that suggests that an ex-spouse can go after uh, his former partner uh, and stop that former partner from getting divorced spouse benefits just by suspending his benefits. Right, that's what I, I was referring to. Yeah, my, my guess is that uh, Social Security won't um, uh, enforce the law that way. That would be pretty nasty and probably get changed by Congress pretty quickly because there would be some examples coming up in the press right away. So uh, the um, now here's a strategy that uh, a couple could, could pursue where neither – a married couple could pursue where neither of the two are going to be 66 by April 29th, which is they – let's suppose they're going to be – they're both 62 – already, or they will be by the end of um, this year, basically. So when they reach 64, what they could do is get divorced. They're married right now. They could get divorced at 64. And then at 66, they could both file for divorcee spouse benefits. And at 70, they could then take the retirement benefit, uh, each of them. And they could potentially, if you know they're high-income people, they might pick up together over this four-year period $120,000. So this uh, new... Law is, has put in uh, into place a um, an incentive to uh, uh, to get divorced. For, and I think it's perfectly legal. You can get divorced, live in sin, and six years later get remarried and pick up one hundred twenty thousand dollars. So uh, that's worth considering. Hey, Jim, uh, somebody I think on your side is kind of shuffling something around because we're getting a lot of feedback on the line here. Okay, I will be careful about that. Um, but by the way, as an attorney, um, I'm going to give you one. I'm going to give our listeners one little caveat. Uh, that's Larry's opinion. I fear that that might be a fraud on the court. So, as an attorney, I'm going to have a little reservation with Larry's recommendation. Well, about, not, um, no, it's not a recommendation. It's just it's a question uh, whether I don't know whether it's legal or not, and I'm not really recommending it or advising it. I'm just saying. It seems legal. I haven't not heard of anybody. Uh, I've, I've talked to people who are former technical experts with Social Security, and they say you can get divorced and get remarried. And Social Security doesn't know why or not, you know, what you're doing. I, I, uh, I, I think that might be fine. The, the only thing that I would be concerned about, I think there are certain things that you have to sign, and I think one of the things that you have to sign is to say that a marriage is irretrievably broken. I'm, I'm, I'm not an expert in that area. But anyway, we do have a question. Larry, could we take a question? Oh, sure, absolutely. Mm-hmm. All right. We have Elaine, who is on line two. Hello. Good, 
Good evening, Elaine. And Elaine is calling from West Westchester, New York. So that's closer to your territory, Larry. The last time I called into a radio station, I was a teenager calling in, you know, my top tunes. <laughs> <laughs> what, can, what can we play for you tonight, Elaine? <laughs> All, right. All right, fast forward. Uh, my husband is already 65, and I am 61, and I will not turn 62 until March of next year. Is there any strategy or any paperwork I should be doing uh, between now and next May to avail ourselves of anything that is expiring? Because I am not 62 by the end of this year. Okay, to repeat, we have a husband who's 65 years old. We have a wife who is 61 years old. I'm going to assume that the goal was to make sure that they are both financially comfortable for the rest of their lives. And I'll ask Larry what he thinks that they ought to do. Yeah, unfortunately, neither of you are grandfathered under either of these provisions. Uh, so the best thing for you to do, for both of you to do, if you could live to a ripe old age of, let's say, 100 or 90 or something, some, some pretty significant maximum age of life, is to wait till 70 to, to take your retirement benefits if you both had a, an earnings history. If one of you has earned a lot more than the other, for example, suppose your husband was a much higher earner. My, my question was really only specifically as to the new law. I know about waiting till 70 and all those benefits that that can avail. I was just concerned about the losing of the file and, you know, suspend uh, thing. That yeah, there's no, there's no way that I can see that you – because when you reach 66, when you uh, reach full retirement age, you're going right. to be forced – if you try and take a spouse benefit, you'll be forced to take a retirement benefit, in which case uh, – you'll get the larger of the two benefits now if it was, uh, and uh, I presume if you have an earnings history uh, that's been pretty decent, it would be the retirement retirement benefit, in which case you just get a lower retirement benefit than had you waited till 70. So in your case, it's probably the only thing to do is really to wait till 70. Now, when I say the only thing to do, uh, let me just give you an example of, of why this is so important to be patient. If you take a 60-year-old couple that earned the maximum uh, taxable amount from age, let's say, 22 till now, they're going to have uh, lifetime present value benefits of about $1.2 million if they take the retirement benefits at 62. Uh, now, if they take them at 70, the benefits go up to about $1.55. So they make about $350,000 by just being patient. Uh, we have a, a software program called MaximizeMySocialSecurity.com, my software company. I have a little company on the side. I'm basically a full-time professor, but I have a software company. And you can run a case like that in our software, and you'll see there's a huge increase in lifetime benefits from just being patient. Now, the, lo the loss from filing and suspend from not being able to file and, and you know get a full spousal benefit for a couple like that is about $50,000. So they're losing $50,000 out of... Uh, three hundred, you know, they're getting three hundred fifty thousand rather than four hundred thousand dollars. That's about a thirteen percent loss in their uh, optimal lifetime benefits uh, that they've suffered because of the new law. But the majority of the gains from optimization come from patients, not from the spousal benefit. I think that I think that's nothing, great. Go yeah. ahead. I'm sorry, Elaine. So there's nothing to rush to do in the next couple of months. You know, you keep reading about April sixteenth or May first. There's nothing we need to rush to do. Your your husband's uh, no, you're too young, and your husband's too right. young. <laughs> so, uh, and you know what you could do is uh, is quit ARP because they endorsed all this. 
and I don't think it's particularly fair to, uh, you know, I think I think Social Security needs to be fixed fundamentally, but I don't think we should be changing some provisions uh, uh, and hurting some people uh, without their having any warning. And it was all done at the dead of night in two minutes by Congress with nobody having a chance to, no public hearings about these provisions. I'll just give you an example that I think it's important for people to understand that uh, what President Obama thinks was a loophole here, uh, and some other people, because he really pushed for this, uh, these changes, is not necessarily hurting just the rich. Uh, take my secretary; she's 64. Her husband has not worked because her their son is disabled, and the son um, needs to be taken care of all t- all day long. So she had hoped to go from working 80 hours a week to 40 hours a week at full retirement age, uh, and she was going to be able to afford that by, at full retirement age, filing and suspending, having her husband get a full spousal benefit on her record, and then she would wait till 70 to collect her own retirement benefit. She can't do that. So now this couple, this uh, couple that has a child, three people living on one modest income, they're really low income, and they've been very, very hurt by this because she's going to be now forced to uh, uh, take her retirement benefit at full retirement age rather than at 70. And so they're going to be subjected to a lifetime of lower uh, income and lower spending uh, than would otherwise have been the case because uh, some supposed do-gooder or some progressive or some guy who th- thought he was uh, you know, hurting just the rich did this, wrote these new provisions without knowing what the heck he was doing, I think. Okay, well, thank you, Elaine. Uh, quick question, Larry. Now, I, I hate to be a hard guy, and I hate to ha- tell a 66-year-old woman who's been working her you-know-what off, um, being underpaid by Boston University, um, to to wait until 70 or even work until 70, but don't you think that that might be a little bit safer just in the event that no, she's one— She's going to work until 70. She's going to work until 70. The thing is she's now working two jobs. She wants to go from working 80 hours a week to 40 hours a week. Oh, okay. She can't take it, okay? Um, and then also cook and you know take care of the kids um, when she comes home. She's exhausted. So, uh, no, I'm, I'm all for everybody working until they, until they drop, basically, because you can't trust anybody, the government, your corporation. Uh, nobody's your friend here, and the country is basically broke. Not basically, it is broke, uh, fiscally speaking. And you see the pension funds are broke. Uh, you see uh, the Teamsters are now taking uh, massive uh, pension benefit cuts um, that are, is being uh, agreed to by the courts. Uh, and other uh, other uh, unions are being uh, who are in collective um, uh, pensions. Uh, so group employer uh, pension programs. So, you know, there's been basically malfeasance left, right, and center in the financing of Social Security and the financing of state and local pensions, the financing of multi-employer pension plans, and the financing of corporate pensions. And we have all these corporate pensions that have been shut down because the corporations decided they would just work over the workers because they promised them very rapid. They got them to work for uh, for low pay or less pay, dangling a, a high pension benefit when they retired, and then mid-career, they freeze the pension system and any more accrual under the old system and put them into a cash value plan or some kind of a defined 
the defined contribution plan. And IBM was the first company to start this. And every other, not every other major corporation, but plenty of them, most of them, have gone the same route. So you cannot trust corporate America. You can't trust local government. You can't trust the courts. And you can't trust the federal government. Um, I, I actually like hearing that because we've heard something similar by, by John Bogle. But at the risk of sounding like a crass capitalist, I do want to put in a plug for your software because I think that you really have some great stuff. Um, and you mentioned the one, I believe you said, MaximizeYourSocialSecurity.com. Is that right? MaximizeMySocialSecurity.com. My I'm sorry, yeah. MaximizeMySocialSecurity. And the one that we like is we call it number crunching, and you have a variety of um, options, one with Monte Carlo, one without Monte Carlo. I think you call that the professional version, and then you have another one. Um, can you tell our listeners about your software, and then we'll go back to a f- few okay, other well, issues. Our, yeah, the company's main website is economicsecurityplanning.com, and we sell, we have different services, uh, but the, the, the main lifetime financial planning software is called ES Planner, Economic Security Planner, and we sell that at esplanner.com, so E-S-P-L-A-N-N-E-R.com. And that helps you figure out exactly how much you should spend through time uh, so that you may, can maintain your living standard, and it helps you figure out safe ways to raise your living standard. I'll give you some examples. I mean, optimizing on Social Security is one thing that you can you can plug in the uh, recommendations from uh, maximize my social security right into the program. It's got the same underlying code uh, into the ES Planner software. You can think about working longer. You can think about uh, converting, uh, doing a Roth conversion, as uh, Jim, you like to think about. Uh, you can think about when should you take your retirement accounts uh, so as to minimize your taxes, whether you should take your Roth money first, your non-Roth money first. Should you contribute more to your account? Should you downsize your home in retirement? Should you move to Texas where this the taxes are lower. There are, should you switch jobs? Will that give you a higher uh, spending power, higher living standard? The, the thing about the software is it comes up with your, it's a living standard machine because it comes up with your living standard year after year. It shows you, and no, no other program does that. So you can say, you can look very quickly within a second or two. What if I do this? Will that raise my living standard? If if it if it does, it's being done safely. You haven't, you know, we're not, you know. Taking your Social Security benefit at this age versus that age is not a risky proposition. It's not like gambling in the stock market. It's just deciding when to walk into the office and apply for something <clears throat> or, you know, moving to a state where there's no income tax. It's not uh, – there's no risk involved here. So uh, we can typically take a household and raise their living standard 10 to 20, if not much higher percentage, uh, by just um, – uh, looking at all these different uh, margins of choice. Well, your, your software has won all kinds of awards. And before we go on break, could you give people the website one more time? But I do have to say one thing that I didn't like about what I just heard, which was one of the choices, which is move to Texas, because I think I'd rather do most anything, at the risk of offending a few people. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> well, but but, but what, what is the website again? Well, the main website is economicsecurityplanning.com. Com, and then we have MaximizeMySocialSecurity.com and ESPlanner.com. And, and you'll see if you go to the, our main website that we also provide a divorce um, settlement analysis services. Uh, we, do, uh, we, we do some services where we directly do some uh, planning for people with our software, and we're going to be bringing out new tools all the time. Uh, 
All right. And by the way, by the way, for everybody listening, you're talking to, about one of the top economists in the country who really gets it, a true number cruncher, and has spent probably thousands of hours with some of the best help um, to come up with these programs. And I think the most expensive, even the professional version, is $200. So I, I would take that seriously. CPA attorney Jim Lang is talking about Social Security, the changes ahead in 2016, as well as maximization strategies. Our guest, Social Security expert, Boston University economics professor Lawrence Kodlikoff. Is the author of the number one book in the country on Social Security that you can find at your local bookstore. Get What's Yours, The Secret of Maxing Out Your Social Security. And then it might not be in the bookstore, and at the risk of enriching Amazon, um, I'm still going to recommend another book that Larry wrote, which is called Spend Till the End, The Revolutionary Guide to Raising Your Living Standard Today and When You Retire. So, Larry, you made a I, – I can't help but picking up on a little bit of your, um, let's call it anger or concern about our economy, and you, you had mentioned – some of the government, some of the problems with the government and agency, and my big one of my big things is the assumed rate of interest return on the pension plans and going broke. And so here we are in the middle of political season. I know that you have run for office yourself. Um, do you have any comments or opinions on some of the candidates and who you think might do a better job or a more sound job on the economy, or is that not a fair question? Well, I, I think that uh, of all the candidates out there, John Kasich is the only grown-up, as far as I can tell. Uh, and I mean that on so many dimensions. Uh, you know, you can't decide that everybody who's uh, of one religion is going to uh, be throwing bombs and shooting uh, up the country. We have, I don't know, how many millions of uh, Muslims in this country who uh, have been here for years, uh, longer than many, many people from other countries who have been here and practicing their faith and haven't been going outdoors every day shooting up people. I mean, the idea that we should ban all Muslims uh, from coming to this country, uh, you know, this is just uh, uh, this goes, this is a throwback to the 1930s uh, to, um, uh, to the worst uh, things that we saw in Europe and to McCarthyism in the U.S. Uh, it's fear, fear-mongering. It's not really um, doing what needs to be done. You know, in the case of 9-11, what we should have done is locked those doors to the uh, cockpits and ahead of time and uh, not invaded Iraq uh, the next day after we hadn't locked the doors. Uh, you know, we should, have been, we should have been thinking a little more carefully about what we were up to and said so we uh, killed and maimed uh, millions, you know, not millions, but uh, um, who knows, it could be a million Iraqis. I don't know what number of civilian casualties there were. Uh, many of whom have relatives who are now very, very angry at us. And uh, we also, you know, killed and, uh, and injured for life many of our service people. So we have to think more deeply. We can't have uh, children running our government. And tr- Donald Trump is basically a child. Uh, I think uh, Jeb Bush uh, is more of a grown-up and uh, can probably do a sound job, but I don't know that he's uh, got enough... Uh, uh, you know, I, I think he, he would he would be in safe hands, but kind of uh, we've had uh, two Bushes already. I, I don't really believe in dynasties. I think Hillary Clinton. It's another dynasty situation. I think I think that's very bad for the country. It's just uh, 
throwback to the kings and queens. Uh, you know, people need to earn their credentials on their own, not from their relatives. Uh, I don't. I, I think he's a solid guy. Uh, I, I, Hillary, I can't figure out what she's done uh, of, of great merit on her own, uh, except been around the block a few times, uh, and uh, not all that. You know, a lot of a lot of scandals uh, that she's been. Um, uh, somewhat associated with, and whether or not they're true or not, uh, is just uh, to me. Uh, you don't uh, start so- using a private server to uh, start corresponding when you're the Secretary of State with anybody. You just just know instinctively that that's not a grown-up thing to do. And I don't care what excuses she has about um, about that. Uh, you know, the um, if you look at Bernie Sanders, uh, I think he has a great big heart, and he's concerned about poor people, so am I, but uh, does he have a plan? Does he Is he really recognizing the country's fiscal situation? Does he uh, have anything realistic to recommend that uh, uh, we need to do? Does he have a really good tax reform that we're going to, it's going to fix a terrible tax system? Does he have a way to fix the social security system that's 32% underfinanced? Does he have a way to uh, really reform the health care system that isn't uh, putting us into the British-type system, which is very bureaucratic? And uh, if anybody's used that, which I have had the um, displeasure of using, uh, it's not the greatest. Uh, I think we need to have um, we, we need to have fundamental banking reform, fiscal ref- uh, tax reform, uh, social security reform, healthcare reform. We have to have uh, carbon. Ta- we have to have uh, strong controls on carbon emissions, whether it's a tax or a, a cap and trade, and take that very seriously. And we have to fix the education system in some fundamental manner to to uh, equalize educational opportunity in the country. So there's a lot we have to do, uh, and I don't see that uh, uh, you know that I, I don't see any really mature voice out there except for John Kasich. Now I got to say up front that I'm a f- friend of his, and that uh, uh, I you know I I spent some time with him, so. Uh, this is uh, somewhat, I guess, personal. You can't can't say that I'm comple- completely unbiased. Uh, but uh, Marco Rubio seems uh, a little bit wet under the collar. Ted Cruz seems like uh, uh, a bit a bit of a uh, a mad dog at times. Just you know, I don't just just does not seem to be uh, a nice per. You know, it just doesn't seem to to uh, to be a balanced uh, personality. Uh, Trump, we already talked about. Uh, Carly, Carla Farina. She also seems to be un, un, unhinged. Uh, who else do we have? We've got Ben Carson. Ben Carson. Um, well, I think he's got problems recalling exactly. Uh, uh, you know, I, I, you know, some of the stories he's been telling haven't been all that well confirmed, and I don't know what he's uh, there for, except uh, that he was apparently a very good brain surgeon, but. What his qualifications are for running the country, what his plans are, uh, having a 10% tax that's not progressive, that's not going to fly in this country. Uh, Hillary saying, coming forward and saying that uh, her worst enemies are the Republicans, that's just a prescription for gridlock if she's reelected. That's just going to be political war. And nothing really will get fixed. So she's, an, she's a really a non starter. Bernie Sanders, I think, is a non starter. So we've got the Democrats with nobody. <clears throat> We got the Republicans with um, people in the lead. Who um, I must have missed somebody. Uh, uh, the governor of New Jersey, right? Um, Chris, Chris, Chris Christie. Chris Christie. Okay, so 
I think he thinks that King Hussein's still alive, according to uh, <laughs> yesterday's. I think King Hussein died a while ago. He thinks the Russians just came to uh, Syria when they were there and when he was nine years old, according to the newspaper this morning. Uh, so, uh, you know, we need to have people that have actually been around around the world and uh, and have some sense of history and um, and are. Uh, and, and really have some clear direction about what to do, not just throw out, uh, you know, go lashing out against. Uh, did I miss any of the Republicans? I, I think I, I, you you got the major ones. There's there's a few other ones. Uh, that, of course, the local guy here in Pennsylvania is Rick Santorum, and but but I'll tell you what I'm I'm actually I think more we saw enough of him the last time around. Uh, <laughs> I would agree with that. But but I'll tell you what I'm I'm probably more interested in then then we'll go back to social security, but I just did sense a a certain uh, frustration. What about you know some of these things that you talked about, you know, like the prohibition against Muslim immigration, etc., are let's say constitutional issues, uh social issues and a lot of our listeners will agree, a lot of our listeners will disagree, but arguably where you really have the greatest degree of expertise is the handling of the economy. And do you, who do you think would do the best job just from an economic standpoint? Well, I think that on that, uh, what we really need is radical reform, and we have to have somebody with a little fire in their belly and, and knows the depths of the problem. Uh, John Kasich uh, was the chairman of the House Budget Committee. Uh, he had me testify about our long-term fiscal policy problems. Uh, he understands exactly what kind of a deep hole we're in, I think far beyond anything that, uh, uh, that Jeb Bush, for example, understands. I think Jeb Bush would be uh, someone who would want to go along to get along and uh, and get reelected. Uh, what we don't need is somebody who gets into office to try and get reelected. We want somebody who gets into office to not to get fired, to actually break some glass, to actually fix some things, because this country is in bad need of fixing. We have a fiscal gap. If you look at all the spending commitments and you value them in the present, you compare with it, pair them with all the taxes and you value it in the present, the fiscal gap, the gap between these two numbers, President has spending projections and tax projections, as made by the Congressional Budget Office just this last July, it's $199 trillion. That's what we're in the red. So uh, we're focused on this official debt number, which is $13 trillion, but the, most of our liabilities have been put off the books by Congress by a fancy choice of bookkeeping. And so we're actually really incredibly under the water, and, you know, totally uh, insolvent from that perspective. And that's what economists think we should be measuring, the fiscal gap. And it's not just, you know, a handful of economists. The entire economics profession, more or less, has endorsed fiscal gap accounting. If you go to the informact.org, the, so T-H-E, inform, as in to inform somebody, I-N-F-O-R-M-A-C-T is the last word, theinformact.org, you will see an endorsement of fiscal gap accounting by over 1,200 economists from every top university in the, in the country and other uh, places, you know, colleges, lesser well-known, but also 17 Nobel Prize winners in economics have endorsed this uh, bill that would require the CBO to do fiscal gap accounting. So you've got the, the economics profession saying that we've got a, uh, an economic a, a fiscal time bomb that we're planning under our children's legs, and they're saying this publicly, 
and nobody's paying any attention. Not not a single me- member of I think, with one exception, of Ben Carson actually has actually talked about on the trail about the magnitude of our fiscal gap. Uh, but but also, uh, I, I know the Kasich knows about it. But I do want to give Carson some credit for actually raising the issue in some of his campaign stops. Uh, so these things need to be. We we need to get out from under this hole. Uh, the country can't spend money right now because it, members of Congress realize that we don't have it to spend. We don't have spent. We don't have money to spend on things like basic science. We're cutting back on that. We're cutting you know education. We don't have uh, any great initiatives to do anything in this country because the country's broke and it's the baby boomers retiring. And everybody knew that was going to happen for a long, long time. And we made no provision. And now. Uh, where's the money uh, to pay for their benefits? We have Congress in the dead of night cutting the benefits without telling people. That's one response that we're seeing happening in front of us. We've got the Federal Reserve printing $3 trillion since uh, over $3 trillion. Uh, it, it printed, uh, it, it increased the money, the basic money supply that it printed by about a factor of four since uh, 2007. So, you know, we uh, they're also, at the same time, bribing banks not to let the money out into the economy by paying interest on reserves that the banks hold with the Federal Reserve. So you have the potential here, if the banks start lending the money and if people start, uh, if interest rates go up because people start to realize how much money has been printed to pay for the government's bills, then they will start to expect inflation that will make money move much more rapidly. So faster money is like having more money. You will then have the basis for hyperinflation. If we got to back to the uh, monetary conditions what we had in 2007, our price level today would be three times higher than it is today. So that's 300% inflation that could happen very quickly. And if that did happen very quickly, that would be called hyperinflation. So that's what Ben Bernanke, who's a a friend, you know, friend of mine, and I think he did some very good things, but I think he did some pretty bad things and left us in this very tough uh, situation. He called this quantitative easing, but he was just keeping Congress from having to do its job, which is to pay pay our bills with taxes, and uh, and and so so that's a big danger too. And Larry is the author of the book that I highly recommend in the Social Security area called Get What's Yours, The Secret of Maxing Out Your Social Security. And that can be found at your local bookstore or at Amazon. I think Larry would prefer you um, <clears throat> that you buy it at the local bookstore. And the other one that likely will not be at the book, local bookstore, but I would recommend anyway, which is Spend Till the End, The Revolutionary Guide to Raising Your Living Standard Today and When You Retire. Um, Larry, can I just ask you one to do one more plug because I think that your software is excellent. Do you, do you have one website that will have access to all your different software? Yeah, yeah. It's called EconomicSecurityPlanning.com. EconomicSecurityPlanning.com. That's our company's name, and they'll it'll show you all the products and all the services, and we'll have more products through time that we're developing and. Uh, uh, I think we have the the most accurate and uh, powerful Social Security uh, software and the most accurate and powerful lifetime financial planning software. So, uh, and it's also the cheapest on the market for financial planners and for households. So, I uh, you know strongly urge people to uh, go and get it. And I, I just want to say, Jim, that 
you know, I'm a professor of economics at Boston University, and I'm well paid by BU, and I don't make a living out of my company. So <clears throat> when I recommend it, it's not because I'm making money. Uh, I actually don't take a salary from my company and haven't since I started it back in 1993. So uh, this is a charitable endeavor on my part, and we try and keep the prices really low to help people, and that's why we get really dedicated uh, employees, engineers, and other uh, customer support people, because they actually care more about who they're helping than about how much money they're making. So well, it's, it's well I think that I think that that sounds like it's always what you've been about. So, Larry, we heard your um, your little rant, which frankly made a lot of sense, I think, to a lot of people. Let me ask you this: Could a listener be saying, "Well, gee, if that's the case, we're going to go broke." Why not grab my Social Security now instead of holding off? And even if Larry's right, and under normal conditions, I'd be better off waiting till 70 and, and doing some of the techniques that, that I have, by the way, in the paper. And, and, and I'll also mention that, I, that uh, the, the, the commercials that we were running were actually not for anything for sale. It's, I actually did a, um, uh, let's say, a one-hour um, analysis of the new law of Social Security and what you should do, and I have a transcript of it, and people can go to my website, www.paytaxeslater.com. Again, that's www.paytaxeslater.com, and you can get it and, um, even if you never use any of our services. But um, do you think that it is legitimate for somebody to say, well, gee, if Larry's right and our country's going in the crapper, I should just grab, grab my money now, or do you think that that's too short-sighted? Well, I, I think for <clears throat> for people that are pretty close to retirement or people that are currently collecting, uh, it's almost impossible to think that they're going to really cut back much more on these benefits because uh, the American Association of Retired Persons, uh, ARP, will eventually wake up. I mean, they fully endorsed this uh, new budget bill that took away money from my secretary and from all kinds of people that... Uh, I think people should actually uh, boycott the ARP and certainly not buy any of their products uh, from them. And that's my view, and I've called for that publicly because of, I think uh, when this kind of a thing happens, the elderly are looking to the ARP to represent them and not to send emails to the elderly members that uh, they should thank their congressman for passing this new law. But anyway, uh, do I think that uh, the benefits could be cut? Uh, it could happen, but in our software allows you to specify benefit cuts in the future so that you can think through uh, when exactly you should take your benefit and which benefit to take first and so forth. But the um, I think it's not too likely politically to see any more cuts in Social Security uh, because what they cut was was you know they came up with some justification. It wasn't really true that this was just a moondoggle for the rich. So you had the Democrats wanting to cut Social Security. The Republicans seem to always want to cut Social Security. So uh, the two forces together conspired in the middle of the night to uh, make that happen. And uh, frankly, had I not written my column for PBS NewsHour the next morning, uh, I, I heard this from a top Social Security official, that without my column they would not have put in the grandfathering clauses. Because I wrote immediately that this is going to cut people's checks starting in six months the way they had drafted it initially. So it was clear to me that whoever did
did the drafting of the new law really didn't understand what they were doing and who they were hurting. And it was just somebody that went after Social Security with a hatchet. Well, let me give you a hard time for a minute, Larry, because I heard that your that your book emphasized some of the benefits of applying suspend and claim now, claim more later, and that was what really brought it to public attention. Now, yeah, this guy, the guy from Social Security, said your book led to the amendments, and your column led to the sorry, your 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 book led to the law, the change in the law, and your column led to the amendments to the law. And I don't know if he's telling the truth or not, but uh, I, I have every reason to believe he was. He's a very senior guy in Social Security. But, uh, you know, to, to believe that um, I have that much influence, uh, that's, um, you know, it, it shouldn't be that that these bills get, that, that a Social Security system, which is the main savings system for the entire country, should be influenced by one book or one economist's column. It just right. does not. It should, there should be public debate, public hearings, full-fledged discussion about what you're doing, who's going to get hurt, some data analysis, uh, some calculations being done, none of that. So, um, yeah, and, I, you know, what, what, I, what we were saying to do is, look, people are paying taxes 12.4% of their pay. They've got these benefits. They're buying all kinds of benefits with their taxes, and they just don't know about them. And why shouldn't they know about them? Uh, it's fair that they pay their taxes, but also fair that they get what they're owed. So we're just trying to help people figure out so it's not that some people get much higher benefits than others because they happen to run into me over the tennis court, for example. I mean, the way the book started was I made my friend Paul Salmon, my co-author, one of my co-authors on the book, uh, $50,000 in about a minute or two uh, in the middle of the tennis game. So we just stopped to take a break, and, um, and I told him what to do, and he got... $50,000 $50,000 more in, in spouse benefits, so just like that. Now, we both decided that wasn't right, that he should get $50,000, and somebody across the street who knows nothing about uh, the, the, the rules, and they're so complicated, uh, should not. So we thought it was fair to have, you know, write this book and get everybody on the same page. And uh, it may well be that that book led to, it was a New York Times bestseller for six months, and a New York Times number one bestseller for a couple weeks, and it may have uh, gotten people upset down in Washington because uh, they thought it was just uh, gimmicks for the rich, but my secretary is not rich, and, you know, a lot of a lot of husbands who have, uh, who want to wait till 70, who are the higher earners and have low-earning low wives who... Uh, are going to collect spousal benefits off of their work records because they didn't, didn't earn that much on their own because they stayed home and watched the kids and helped their husband's career. If that husband doesn't take his retirement benefit early, they won't, if they're the same age, that wife has to wait till she's 72 to get a check. And under the old law, she could start getting a check at, at 66. And in some households, who gets the check determines who gets to spend the money and what gets spent and get what, what, what gets purchased. So there, there's some deep women's issues here associated with the way this law was changed, which haven't really been discussed, uh, including the, I think, the big incentive for divorce, which we discussed now. You may think it's, uh, Jim, it's illegal, but uh, how does Social Security know whether or not you have you know, irre- irreconcilable differences or not? You can say you do and then get divorced and maybe pick up in the extreme $120,000 and then get remarried later. 
And I, you know, it's just you know, this stuff just wasn't thought out. Is what I'm saying. Larry, you okay. you have given us some tremendous information tonight. Um, you, you it was not the show that I planned. Uh, for anybody who feels a, t- a little bit cheated, that you didn't get as much Social Security information as you want, and you want good free information. Um, I would recommend going to my website, www.paytaxeslater.com, where there is a one-hour audio and there is a transcript. Uh, the best book on the market by far is Larry Kotlikoff's, um Get What's Yours, um, The Secret of Maxing Out Your Social Security. That can be found in a local bookstore. Uh, the other book that he wrote that I love is uh, – Spend Till the End, The Revolutionary Guide to Raising Your Living Standard Today and When You Retire, and his software that is available at... Uh, Larry, can you just help us with one quick yeah. website? Yeah. <clears throat> okay, uh, MaximizeMySocialSecurity.com. Okay. All right, thank you, Larry. Thank you, Jim. And a reminder that all the Lang Money Hour episodes are archived at PayTaxesLater.com. I'm Dan Weinberg for Jim Lang. Thanks so much for joining us, and we'll see you next time on the Lang Money Hour, where smart money talks. Thanks for listening to the Lang Money Hour, where smart money talks. Check out the show archives and listen on demand anytime at paytaxeslater.com.